Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Time now for the nightcap. Who are you talking to right now? Do you know how much I make a year? I mean, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Do you know what would happen if I suddenly decided to stop going into work? A business big enough that it could be listed on the NASDAQ goes belly up. Disappears. It ceases to exist without me. No, you clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. On WGR Sports Radio 550. I think it's kind of fitting that April Fools and Joe is not here for the nightcap. What's going on? Derek Kramer here, Kyle Powell. We're hanging out with you here on one of three nightcaps this week. Obviously, it's going to be the only one that we do. It's not our show, but we're filling in for Joe as he is he's hauling stuff into his new place. And I got to say, I, I don't blame you for just trying to take an entire day off for that. Moving things is is just difficult. It's kind of what it is. Anyway, this is the nightcap here on WGR. We've got a couple of uh, interesting things to talk about here today, especially because, well, if you had, if you missed it earlier today in the morning, Howard and Jeremy and a caller, Paul, decided to go ahead and go scorched earth on a call that caused not one but two rants, one from Howard, one from Jeremy, both of them fairly uh, high in volume, and Jeremy just hit every nail on the head with his rant. I mean, everything was just, you know, at the end of the day, it's about winning. And it got me wondering something. With the vile state of the Sabres fandom right now, I mean, it's just, how do you not get annoyed talking about the Sabres at this point? Because of how bad this season has been. It made me ask this question to myself. Is this the worst Sabres season of all time? And I mean their entire history. And I'm probably saying without a doubt, yes. Are there seasons that have been more miserable than this that I'm just too young to remember? Or I wasn't even alive for? Well, here's your chance to let me know. 803-0551-888-552-550. Because otherwise, I'm going to say it. This is the worst year of all time for Buffalo Sabres hockey. There has been no way to anger an entire fan base faster than this team did. And the cherry on top, this, this terrible month of March, where they go 2-12-2, win no games in regulation, and the next thing you know, it's just the only other month that was worse in franchise history was they went over in 14 games in January of 2015, which was 
very infamously known as the tank year. And honestly, I think the tank is the only thing that can really compete. Because that one still has scars. Why? Because one, people still talk about it four years later. First off, can we get over it? The tank happened. It did. That's what it is. What happened after that is a colossal failure. Whether Eichel is on this team or it was name player here. You know, for example, Paul, the caller, references Mitch Marner. The next thing you know, (laughs) does Mitch Marner change anything instead of Jack Eichel? No. So what happened following the tank, it had, like, it just... I'm sick of having to bring up the war, bring up the tank, because people bring it up, and it doesn't make any sense. But that's still that's the only reason I could think of any season that can compare to how miserable this year is, simply because of the fact that there are people that still bring it up as a way to go ahead and say how bad they are. I'm sorry, but at least with that one, they actually hit their expectations, which was to actually be the worst in the league. Whereas with this team, they were expecting to win, and the next thing you know, they go ahead and go from first place in the NHL, which nobody expected them to remain there, but they went and buried themselves to the point where if they lose out, only Ottawa will be worse than them if all the things go the way that they're supposed to. The Kings got to win a couple games and blah, blah, blah. Why am I talking about them in the bottom of the standings? No, it's, it's just one of the... This is the worst. This is easily the worst team of all time for the Buffalo Sabres when it comes to seasons and being able to really, really be miserable. That's why I think that this is the worst season of all time. Statistically, it is not. You have the tanked seasons to thank for that. But I'm not looking strictly at numbers here. I'm looking at feelings. The emotional roller coaster that we got put on. I can't even call it a roller coaster. Can you call it a roller coaster, Kyle? November? It's just a peak and then constant valley. Cliff? Yes, this season was a cliff. The season was a cliff? The season was a cliff. It was just, it was awesome, and then it wasn't. A roller coaster at least allows you to have the glimmer of hope that something good continues to happen. Dude, it was so fun. It, it was, was so fun it was at one fun. point. We're talking mid-December. We are on top of the world. Yeah, they're not on the top of the standings in mid-December anymore, but dang it, it feels good. It just felt like a magical run. It was just, it was awesome. Destiny. destiny. The place was bumping for the first real time since they had made the postseason. After years and years of the venue being relatively boring to go to Sabres games. I had a new outlook on big plays, too, listening, looking back as well. Jeremy brought up a fact, especially the Sharks game and the Montreal game. Oh, the my God. overtime winners from Jeff Skinner. Not, looking back, the play itself is even that much more enticing and it it draws you in because it's a home crowd 
but the roar of the crowd before the goal. Yes. Knowing what's about to happen. The anticipation and knowing. Yeah, exactly. Jeff knowing. Skinner grabs that puck. Marty Jones comes out of his net to attack the puck as it's loose from Eric Carlson and Roswell Stalin. And the crowd's like, oh, it's it. here we go again. A 10-game ride. Three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it was. it's like it was the multi-level cheering. You heard the initial roar and then the confirmation roar. What happened? This is the same team. This is the same team. This is the same roster. What happened? And you can't tell me that they are just blatantly terrible. Because you don't win 10 games in a row by being blatantly terrible or being possibly worse on a point pace than the Ottawa Senators. No, what happened here? I don't know what happened here. But they're not this bad. It's impossible for them to be. You had a roster that you looked at last year compared to this year. There's some good pieces that left. There's some good pieces that came in. But at the end of the day, if you take out the 10-game winning streak, oh, and by the way, they can. They can do it. They can take out the 10-game winning streak by ending the season with a 10-game losing streak. We don't even have to talk about the, the streak if they ended on 10 games. If they lose out the rest of this season. Because guess what? It cancels out. And at this at this point, it just for me, it's Housley. This is I this has to go on the coach at some point. Yes, this means there's a fall guy. But at the same time, what happened here? You had a highly entertaining team that was able to come back in games. You had a team that was willing to scrap through anything that they needed to to get to overtime, to get a chance to win a game. Man. <laughs> it just This one hurts. And it's why it's the worst season of all time for me for the Buffalo Sabres watching hockey. We looked like we were going to be flying high, getting a chance to get into a wild card matchup, and everything was going to be awesome. What happens? They just, it just falls out from under them. And again, I just, I genuinely believe that they cannot be this bad if they were able to come back in games. And now in the same season in March, nobody can even bear watching them anymore. I'm genuinely wondering if there's going to be 10,000 people there tomorrow night. I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> and now, if you even try to debate anything Sabres with people, it's almost like there's a palpable discord and tension that you can cut with a knife because of the fact that this team has infuriated everyone to no point. That it just... You cannot understand what happened. And, yeah, I know I'm going with a low bar here, Kyle, but... Sabres Twitter has become easily the most vile place in all of the world right now. Without a question. Granted, it's Twitter. Therefore, I know it's a low bar. But at the same time, it was awesome at one point in this year. It was awesome. Man, I just, I, I still cannot believe the outcome of all of this. Is this the worst Sabres season of all time? I say yes. If you disagree, 
feel free to change my mind. We'll have a cordial discussion about it because, hey, all we're doing is comparing how bad it hurts or how unwatchable they are because right now they're pretty unwatchable. And I'll admit something. I'm not watching tomorrow's game. I'm watching the Ottawa game, and I'm watching the Detroit game. Why? Because I have to. Because I'm going to be part of the Buffalo Sabres radio network. Because I'm going to be there working these games. That doesn't mean I'm going to enjoy it. It's hard to watch. I'm begging this team at this point. I don't care if you even win a game anymore the rest of the year. Just please give me something to watch. Oh, hey, never mind. Phil Housley goes ahead and puts our first rounder from a couple years ago on the fourth line and gives him seven minutes in a game where you're losing 3 nothing in the first period. You're already dead to rights. They scored three goals. You might as well put Alex Nylander out there. No, what do you do? And what's the reason he gives? Oh, his line mates weren't feeling it. Put him on another line! This came after putting him on the third line against Detroit. In one of their better games recently, still, four, still five goals allowed, but that was the day Victor Olofsson was called up, and one prospect takes a spotlight from another. You get a look at Olofsson. You think the next best-case scenario is, hey, we'll put Alex Nylander on the second line. Look, Jason Palmerville takes that spot. Um, he is very likely not returning to this team. 36 years old. He's got a decision to make with his family. Yep. What are the odds he comes back? If he comes at all, th- this may be the last few games you see of Jason Palmerville. And sentiment aside, you have a hockey franchise to run. You have a team to get ready for the future. Alex Nylander is not getting better playing single-digit minutes with Vladimir Saboka centering his line. Look, Vladimir Saboka is a very popular whipping boy this season, and I don't. And of course, I don't blame people for that. I don't care that Vladimir Saboka is centering Alex Nylander. I would just like the man to see more than seven minutes in a hockey game where this season is pointless. Seriously, what's the point, Housley? What is the point of having him there on the fourth line and rotting? Because I could tell you I've got three places immediately that I could think that Alex Nylander can go ahead and benefit more than your idiotic decision to put him on the fourth line and seven minutes a game. One, you might as well just put him in the press box because it's useless at this point. Two, put him back in Rochester so that he actually has a chance to play actual hockey with a coach that actually shows signs of competence. Three, hell, just let him go back to Sweden at this point because... Whatever Housley's doing here, I'm I'm just I'm giving up on it. I'm giving up on Phil Housley, and these last three games are immensely painful because I know that he has to be here to be the head coach to finish the season. I will not. I if they even bring him back to start next year, the riots would be unreal. It would be just. A colossal black hole of terrible emotions that come out if Phil Housley has announced that he's going to remain the coach for a third season. One, you cannot sell the fans on that anymore. Two, Phil Housley has eight winning streaks in his entire two years as the coach of the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, I'm excited to hear the length. I don't remember the ones from year one. Okay. But they are 2, 3, 10, 2. That's it from this year. And again, the 10-game winning streak, 
could be canceled out if they lose 10 to end the season. Has the team ever done that? 10 and 10? Yeah. Yes. Who? The 2016-17 Philadelphia Flyers. That explains a lot because they're the only other team that had a 10-game winning streak that didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, the 10 wins came before the 10 losses. Almost a mirror. Not a mirror. Just like I apologize. This. A similar Oh, so story, you're talking yeah. like closer in vicinity of the streaks. <clears throat> I got to look it up. Now it's going to bug me, but I think it was a little bit closer than November to, example, March and April like this. Yeah, but... Here's your here's your fun stat on this. Phil Housley has eight total win streaks in his two seasons as a Sabres coach. Dan Bilesma had eight winning streaks in his last season as Sabres coach. At the end of the day, it just tells me Phil Housley doesn't cut it. You've got to do something else. And I'm not going to hear anything about it if Housley is brought back. I can't. There's no way. By the way, here are the lengths of the streaks for the uh, first season for Housley, obviously, where they finished 31st, the very first 31st place team in the NHL. A two-game win streak, a three-game win streak, a two-game win streak, and a two-game win streak. Under Phil Housley, they cannot ring up any sort of win streaks. They can't put wins together. At the end of the day, that's got to lie on the coach. And I, you cannot, you cannot tell me that Phil Housley can be the coach entering next season and that everything's going to be okay. Or that Phil Housley should even be the coach next season. And I'm not, and I will fight someone if they even say that Phil Housley shouldn't get a majority of the blame here. Because I've heard that call before. Housley shouldn't get the he shouldn't get most of the blame. He should back off a little bit. Well, guess what? You're wrong. Because they can't win games with him. They can't string wins together. Yeah, what about the ten game winning streak? Oh, they just went ahead and put it to ten losses possibly here at the end of the season too. Fourteen of the last fifteen games. They've lost. Many of them in pathetic fashion. Eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Is this the worst Sabres season of all time? Jonathan and Alden, you're up. What's going on, man? Hey, thanks for the show. I have to say it's a toss up between last year and this year. I mean, both years the Sabres were expected to be decent, and they just completely and utterly disappointed under Housley. I really hope Housley's fired. I hope Pagula learns his lesson and doesn't hire former Sabres to be his next head coach. I mean, I, I, bought, I mean, the roster isn't great. There does need to be improvement in the roster, but it's mostly on Phil Housley. This is not letting Phil Housley at the hook. It, it, Housley needs to go, and I really hope Pagula. Do you think he should hire like a, a, a Kazar or someone to help him out to find a new coach? You know, I, th- that's an interesting question, Jonathan, and thanks for the call. I mean, a hockey czar I don't think is a bad idea. I just also think that, uh, you know, a GM can succeed in the NHL without needing a hockey czar or a president of hockey operations. The model works on other teams. Where hasn't it worked? Well, lately here. I don't, uh, I don't understand. 
And Housley, strangely enough, was seen as a good hire around the league. Why didn't it work here? Well, some guys have it, some guys don't when it comes to coaching. But a lot of people were saying the guy was a nice assistant for Nashville. He's being highly sought out. Well, swing and you miss. I'm not going to blame the team for that necessarily. But at the same time, good Lord, get the man out of here. Get him out of my bench. It's okay at this point. <laughs> oh, my God. But there is an interesting question to ask, though, about the status of Jason Bottrell. Because Bottrell's now going to be the one on the hot seat. First off, the Ryan O'Reilly trade blew up in your face. Big time. So now you're going to have all eyes on you, especially with the coach getting fired. All eyes are on Jason Bottrell at that point. And we're going to have to hold him to that. Because I felt betrayed by Tim Murray. I loved how he spoke bluntly to the media and he had like all these hilarious quotes. You know, the dude said pee-pee slap at a press conference. That's incredible. It's incredibly hilarious to me that a man that is a professional general manager for a major hockey team goes ahead and says the words pee-pee slap. And the next thing you know, though, the man did not do a good job from drafting to trades, not getting value in free agency or overspending on free agency or trades. The man betrayed me. So it it just hurts. And now Jason Bottrell, a person that a lot of people love to hire, well, you're on the hot seat, man, because you're next. If Phil Housley is fired, and he should be, you're next. They've won 14 of their last 52 games. If a head coach doesn't get fired for that, that's actually a major indictment on Bottrell right there. If he keeps them around. 8030551888552550. Jim, James, Buzz, I've got you the guys there. You guys are next on the next segment here on the Nightcap. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, our intern Marcus Watkins, we're all working here. Keep things rolling right here on WGR. It wasn't so much Nylander. I just thought uh, his line mates weren't, weren't feeling it tonight. Obviously, we, I thought the other lines were going, so I went mostly with the other lines. Yes, I miss you. Ten-game winning streak. I miss you, November. Great job, Kyle Powell. Behind the board with the great song choice of I miss you from Blink-182 because uh, who doesn't miss November and the feelings that they gave us? It was a magical ride. It was a magical ride. and As most things in life, you don't really know right. that it's about So I'm going to describe this right now. I actually have a hat on. There we go. See? There's my hat. I'm going to literally tip my cap to Kyle Powell right now. Great job. I appreciate great, that. Great job getting us back here. So, Paul this morning decided to set the world on fire and caused a pair of fantastic rants and uh, one notably from Jeremy that was just so spot on in so many different ways. And we will hear about that one and we'll hear that whole thing in a little bit. But first, we'll go back to the phones here. 803-0551-888-552-550. Jim, you're on the nightcap. What's going on, man? Hey, you know, I just got to chime in here. I I just think uh, we're always settling for a coach that might be good someday. In this situation, I, I, I wouldn't have hired uh, 
a rookie coach and a rookie GM at the same time. I know they weren't hired exactly at the same time, but maybe they were, I don't, I don't even, you know, but you know what I mean? That's like, we're always settling for somebody who might be good someday. You don't look at the teams that are winning, you know, Barry Trotz, the guy from Washington, Boston, they all got experienced coach. I just think this team needs an experienced coach and experienced GM. And I think I'll go one further. I think maybe, maybe there's uh there's some trouble in that organization. They're always firing people over there. Maybe, uh, maybe something happened with, with some of these uh, these other uh, coaches that came in the door and the other GM. Maybe they had trouble working for the Bagolas. It could be that could be an issue, but maybe in, in uh, lingering in the background. But I really think this is one of the worst seasons I've ever ever experienced. Honestly, yeah, it is. And Jim, uh, while I've got you here, you know. Uh, you mentioned two different points that kind of go hand in hand a little bit here because, you know, experienced coaches and GMs might be a little more, you know, willing to go and wait for another opportunity if coaches and GMs are getting fired constantly, Are uh, correct? Yeah, I, I guess that's one way of looking at it. Yeah, that's one way. But uh, my point is that uh, you don't see anybody sticking around. Like Murray, they showed him the door. I, I think there's something, there's something more to this organization than meets the eye. I think there's there's some problems systemically in this business here. Possibly, possibly. Oh, oh, sorry, Jim. That's my bad. I didn't mean to do that. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. cap to him. But uh, but yeah, no. You know, the the points are there though. You know, maybe they could go for an experienced guy. You know, uh, Elaine Vigneault is a, a guy that. You know, first off, let's be real about something. We're not getting Joe Quinville. Sorry, guys, guys and gals. Anyone listening? Sorry, we're not hiring Joel Quinville. It's not going to happen, and it just—I'm sorry. It's that's just—I will go ahead and attempt to do a backflip if we actually hire Joel Quinville as the head coach, because the chances of that happening are just astronomical, especially with how the firing rate has gone with the past couple of coaches. You're looking at every two years, but there are guys like Elaine Vigneault that would be an interesting choice. Probably the best one on my list there. Uh, Todd McClellan is another experienced coach that has won in this league. I I can see how it would be interesting, you know, to look at experienced coaches and see if they're willing to come here. But the way that they've been firing a lot, the two top names you're probably looking at are Sheldon Keefe, the minor league coach in uh, Toronto, or Chris Taylor who I think might be the best hire solution for the Sabres. You have a young roster. You see what has happened with the line of Daniel Regan, Victor Olofsson, and C.J. Smith this season. They've been dynamite. Rasmus Asplund has come on of late. Alex Nylander finally gets that extended call-up that doesn't last three games. And part of that is, by the way, on the defense. Will Borgen gets himself called up after showing up in his first professional season. Lawrence Pilot should have been on the Sabres after being brought up. And he should have stayed here. But what happened? Chris Taylor kept him playing without any sort of doubt. He got him back in his game. Zach Redmond is a thing in Rochester. Zach Redmond was just, you know what? Here, have Nick Delory. We'll take an AHL defenseman back. It's interesting to me. 
And I think that Chris Taylor probably is your best solution. All right. James, Niagara Falls, you're on the nightcap. What's going on, man? You know, let me uh, say this. First of all, I, I, I wasn't going to call. But, you know, I listened to you. And to me, this goes beyond the coach. If you're going to fire Bill Housley, and I'm, I'm, I'm still in and out on it. I guess if he's got to go, he's got to go, okay, because you, the results are there. You know, the, I, you know I'll, I've slowly come around to that view. But you've got to let Mr. Botro go. And I think, and you say we can't, we're not hiring Joe Quindle. Wait a minute. Why can't, if you hired a, a hockey person, I don't know, call him a czar, call him a, let him pick the general manager or the coach or whatever and structure the organization as he sees fit. And maybe, and you commit, you give, say to Mr. Quinville, we'll give you a five-year, I think that's part of the problem with this organization. Listen, Jack Eichel, we're wasting Jack Eichel. This franchise is wasting Jack Eichel. It's now, it'll be what? It's been what? Two coaches since Jack Eichel's been here? Yep. Okay. And a third comes along, say it's Chris Taylor. What do you give him? Two years and his team doesn't make the playoffs? It's how this team is put together. And, 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 and to that end, if you allow Jeff Skinner, if Jeff Skinner walks, is that Phil Housley's fault? The Ryan O'Reilly trade, is that Phil Housley's fault? I will say, James, you are making good points, and Botchel definitely is a guy that needs to be on the watch here because... Why shouldn't he go? My I, point is, why shouldn't he go, and why can't we get Joe Quenville if you commit him to five years and say, listen, we'll give you a five-year. We'll let you come in and run the team as, as you see fit. All right, I'll hang up and let you comment. Thanks. All right. Thank you, James. I appreciate it. And with Botchel, I'll go one at a time. With Botchel, I can say with a strong conscience that he's done a better job as the general manager than Phil Housley has as the head coach. As for Joel Quenville, if you're a three-time Stanley Cup winning head coach who just got fired from a team, are you coming to the Buffalo Sabres? No, you're trying to go and get another ring. And right now the Buffalo Sabres are not that team. Hell, you're not going to see Joel Quenville out there with Edmonton. The Oilers are a bigger mess than we are. Actually, I don't know about that anymore. Because Kyle's got the dumb little smirk over here when I said that, and I, I had to quickly correct myself. I don't know, man. If we get a top, if if Buffalo comes out with a top two or top three pick again, and then then this come this turns into a comparison. Edmonton obviously had ones with Taylor Hall, RNH, Nail Yakupov. Um, who am I missing? There was a. F- not a fourth first, but another high, high-tiered high prospect in there they got in that four-year window. Well, you look back now, the Sabres have two. Jesse was Jesse fourth Puyarvi. overall. Reinhardt a two. Ristolainen an eight. Eichel a two. Donnelly a one. And that's in, what, 13, 14, 15? Yep. 16 was an eight. Nealander. 17, you were... Seven. Seventh, yeah, thank you. Casey Middlestat. Casey Middlestat. And one this year. Okay, Rasmus so we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. You had a wrist line in it at 8. We'll extend it to a 10. Top 10 pick. All of the last five seasons, you're looking at a 6 this year, <laughs> potentially. It's pathetic. 
The comparison it's, is getting uh, closer than we may think. It, yes. it was a, been a laughing stock Here's out the good, in Western Canada. Here's the but good it's news. It's getting close. This competition. Here's the good news, and this is probably the only reason I will say that the Sabres have a better situation than Edmonton. We're not in cap hell. Yeah, you're not employing Milan Lucic. I mean, Kyle Poso's contract is not a. You know, oh, it, it, he's there on the fourth go, another line. Another comparison. Another comparison. God. But, you know, they're not in cap hell. They didn't have to waive someone that they literally traded for just to activate someone from injured reserve. Right. Right. <laughs> so there's that. All right. We teased that uh, Paul, a caller for this morning on Howard and Jeremy, decided to set the world on fire. And uh, I'm putting big hype into this. So without further ado, here is Howard and Jeremy today and a nice little rant session started by caller Paul. Paul in Buffalo, you're on WGR. Go right ahead. Another season has gone by, and, and we can say we wasted a year of Jack Eichel's career. I think it's more accurate to say Jack Eichel wasn't good enough again. <laughs> he is not top 20 in the league in assists. We don't have a top 10 goal scorer in the league, and we, we stink again. And I'm, just, I'm tired of hearing how we tanked for this generational talent. You know, Mitch Marner's better than him. Connor McDavid's a lot better than him. Noah Hannafin, you can argue, is better than him. We, we missed out. You, t- I'm not. I'm. It's I'm not saying anything. So, you, so they'd be I mean, better about, off how, without Jack Eichel. Swap Mitch Marner for Jack Eichel on these teams. I, I'd rather have some respect for my team and Mitch Marner than Jack Eichel in this pile of garbage. What? What, uh, what is respect for your team? I did. I didn't knowingly and openly tank a season. Oh, people hey, give hey, a crap hey, about no, that. No, 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 no. Hey, Paul. Do you know what the Leafs did the year after Jack Eichel got drafted? You know what? It worked for them. It didn't work for them. Wait, wait. You just said you'd have respect for them. They tanked. Oh, did they? You they, were wrong. So you don't respect the Leafs then, quickly, right? Paul, you know the Leafs tanked, yes? Yeah, I so know. You know oh, okay. Do, so do you, you have respect for them, but not for the Sabres. Maybe. I'm going to enjoy missing the playoffs again. You, you're bringing up a point about respect. Yeah, right. Do you respect the Leafs? They're winning, winning. Right, yeah. and that's the whole point. If you make the right decisions, you you don't blame the tank, Paul. You make the decisions. You make the right draft picks. You make the right trades. You have a competent general manager who you didn't have in Tim Murray. You hire the right coach. The tank is not why they lost. It's when you stockpiled 17 draft picks in the first two rounds over four years, what you did. You don't trade a first-round pick for a goaltender. It's the moves you make, and the Leafs made good moves, and they brought in Lou Lamorello, and they brought in Brendan Shanahan, and they got Mike Babcock, Kyle and Davis. they made the right moves. This team makes Wrong move after wrong move after wrong move. The tank is not what did it. Incompetent hockey people is what do it. Well, incompetent hockey people drafted Jack Eichel over Mitch Marner. Jack Eichel's a tremendous hockey player. If you think this, how is this team take Eichel I mean, out, put Marner here? Listen, what difference is, does it make? What, Sorry, Paul, I don't mean to be yelling. Paul, what difference would it make if Marner's here and Eichel's not? You said Eichel's here with a bag of garbage. Guess what? Marner would have the same bag of garbage. Yeah, seriously. Swap Eichel and Marner. It doesn't make what a happens? difference. I mean, it's... It, it, Let's not... I mean, uh, don't take the best player on the team and say he's the biggest problem. That's what we do here. Ooh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. That's all we ever do in this... That's all we do. That's all we do is blame the good players. That's what you do. Because what does that do? That sells. That's how this works. Blame the good players. Why are they bad? Jack Eichel's not good enough. He should have 150 points if he was really that good. Blame the good players. It worked great last year, huh? Trading out O'Reilly. Great. Worked great. 
Worked awesome. It's always been it's always been a really good thing that teams do. They trade their good players, like Edmonton has. And what did they do? You know, we got to get hey, Hall out of here. We got to get Everly out of here. Doing well with the yeah, everybody, just trade them all. Yeah. Let's blame the good players. That's a good idea. Go ahead and trade Jack Eichel. Will they get better? It'd be hard to be worse. So go ahead and trade one of your best players and get a couple pieces in, and we'll talk about how they got to rebuild again, and maybe the Sabres will be better down the road, and we can tell fairy tales about how he was the problem while he joins another team and does what Ryan O'Reilly's doing. He can get 112 points with a team like Tampa because he has a supporting cast. I mean, let's just keep blaming the bad players. what this town is about. All the way back to, like, Stefan Gilmore. You have a good player. He just, get him out of here. It's his fault. It's always the good player's fault. Why? Because you don't bother talking about the other players. You have one, two good pieces. How long until we blame Darlene? We got 18 months on that? We're going to trade him before his entry-level deal's up? It's always blame the good players. They have a coach that has no record of success. None! Blame the good players. How many years am I going to sit in this chair when we blame the good players? How many? Here's the list of problems with the Sabres. One, Eichel. Two, Darlene. Three, Reinhardt. Four, Evan Rodriguez. Am I at my fourth best forward? Blame the good players. Keep going. Jack Eichel's not good enough. We should have drafted Mitch Marner. Yeah, then they'd be in the playoffs if, they had, if only they had done that. If only they had done that. I didn't think I was going to get mad today either. I didn't think so either. I didn't think so either. But I, I know that this surprise. is what we do. Yeah. I can't, I just can't even believe it. I think it's a, I've made this point a few times, and I, I don't care how it, like annoying it sounds, but since I read this book about the Premier League and their cutthroat win, no matter bleeping what, I think about American sports as a freaking joke. Or at least half the teams in, this, in these leagues are a freaking joke. It's always about process and d- belief and, oh, we think there's growth coming on. Oh, my God. Phil Housley would have been fired Halfway through last season. But no, we're on year two. And we're not even confident that there won't be a year three. There won't be a year three. I'm not confident. I'm confident. But yes, it's, it's, the, it's the best player's fault. He ne- he's not good enough. When's he going to be a leader? You know what leadership is? Putting up freaking wins in the standings. Who's the best leader in the league? Well, if, uh, let me check the standings. Uh, uh, the best leader is, is in Nashville. Who's their captain? There, that, that guy's a good leader. Leadership. Leadership is about wins. Robin Leonard tosses bombs at the Buffalo media from Long Island over the weekend. This guy, who, by the way, was in a really bad spot in his life and has since thanked the Sabres organization for it. And then afterwards lobs a a couple shots at Buffalo. This goaltender, who would not practice shootouts because he was bad at them. It's 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 the spiral of negativity. It's their fault. Yeah. Well, we were the ones that pointed out that he didn't have any saves in the shootout, so it is it, it is actually the media's fault for pointing that out and getting it into it's all we do. All we do here is blame the good players. I'm excited for Jack Eichel's inevitable trade for a first rounder in 2021, a second rounder, two salary dumps, and some 20 year old tall kid that's going to score six goals. I'm excited for it. Really excited for it. That was really good. No, it's going to be a great trade. It's going to be awesome. No, I it's like that It's going to be trade. fantastic. Futures are always a good thing. This is wonderful. Stockpiling picks. Wonderful. You all right? Well, 
seems like Jeremy's all right. You know, you get all of it out of there. And the tweet that I saw from Jeremy earlier today, it just made so much sense. It was, it, and here it is. Uh, <laughs> quote, Howard said it best. Sometimes a call just unlocks everything you're feeling. And yeah, that's absolutely right. I uh, Sometimes a point can be brought up by somebody, anybody, and it brings out every emotion and every ounce of anger that you have toward the season. And today that was Paul. Is Paul entitled to his opinion? Yes. Would I say that ain't it, Chief? Yes. But sometimes just hearing a, a take can just make everything pour out. And that's what that was. And I just, I loved every minute of what Jeremy had to say. Because at first it sounded like Howard was going to be the one getting loud and angry. And then Jeremy just went off. And thank you, Jeremy, for doing that. It was a it was a great listen and everything like that. We'll return for a mini segment here on the Nightcap because, well, come on, I had to give that to you guys in its in all in in, in its glory. So we'll take a break. Be back on the other side. Might even throw some baseball into here. Well, you got to tease me like that. I don't know, Kyle Powell. Who's teasing behind? me with a good time on a Monday? Hey, man, is there any other way to start the week than with a good time on a Monday? Text me that. 550-550. This is the Nightcap on WGR. One ball, one strike. The pitch. Swung on. Hit deep. And there it is. Way back to right into the second deck. And the fans get what they want. As Harper has hit number one as a Philly. Yeah. Fans get what they want apparently there from somebody. And Kyle gets what he wants there. Scott Fransky, 94 WIP, calling Bryce Harper's first homer as a Philadelphia Philly. I have not heard that ballpark that loud in eight years. It's great to talk about things that make you happy, right? <laughs> By the way, here's, here's your plug. Bisons, speaking of baseball. Yeah. The Bisons get started on Thursday, and the weather's going to warm up just in time. I mean, hopefully it's not what happened last year when their season got, what, delayed by, like, at least an entire week? Yes, because they started in Rochester. A lot of local areas were getting slammed just as bad as we were with that yeah. that crazy snow. Yeah, that was wacky last year. And I'm, I remember going, like, I feel so bad for Pat. Memorial, Pat Day, cons- Memorial Day weekend consisted of three doubleheaders <laughs> for the, for the yes. Bisons just to make up for opening week. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was wacky last year. Hopefully it's a little more normal of a weather, weather pattern pattern so that opening day for Bison's baseball can get you out to the ballpark because I'm I mean, I'm not a huge baseball guy. I just kind of alluded to that right away opening the segment. But at the same time, I'd go to opening day. Because it's a fun thing to like I can only watch a baseball game for the most part by being there. You know, otherwise it's kind of tough for me. And yes, I'm at a sports station. How dare I say these words? I'm only human, okay? But going down to opening day for Bison's baseball, it's always a great idea. And it's not that expensive. You should go, especially with how awful the Sabres are. 
And you got a couple weeks of Lai Guerrero Jr. once he gets healthy. I got a coin flip for you. If he gets in the lineup for a week, you got to get there. Would you rather go to the Sabres Senators game that night or opening day on Thursday? I think right now the choice is pretty easy. One's cheaper. You're still parking in the same area. Yeah, but you don't get a bobblehead at the Bisons game. There's probably something being given away at opening day. Probably. Possibly. I'm assuming. It's a fair assumption. It is a fair assumption, though. I think my choice is easy. See you there, then. Go to Salem's Park. That's what it is, right? Sands Park. Field. Sands Field. Sands Field. Not park. That's why I'm here. Good work. You just, that's Kyle Powell. He keeps me in check. I'm Derek Kramer. Marcos Watkins, our intern, working hard as well. This is the Nightcap. You're listening to WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.